This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, hallelujah. You may like it, you may hate it. They let me out of the cage, okay? So just tolerate it for this evening, okay? There's things I've been banned from preaching on, like being stupid is a sin. It is. I can prove it to you. So don't go around being stupid. Um, anyway, Dylan's giving me a weird look. Hey, listen, when you know to do good and you don't, stupid. Hey, you were giving me a weird look. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Sabrina's pointing. I'm just saying. Oh, geez. Um, so we're, oh, Alex, oh my. Y'all are, y'all are being mean. Listen, judge yourselves first, okay? Okay? So we're going to talk about obedience a little bit tonight. Um, but Pastor Dave's message on, uh, what is that? Pay, payback? Getting your payback? Whatever that message was about going and getting yours, you know? Um, I had it in my journal, um, read through Leviticus. How many of y'all spend time studying Leviticus? Nobody. Yeah. Okay, four of you. Um, I like those Old Testament books because I'm a little bit analytical, a little. And so those Old Testament books, I like to look at those things because we have a better deal after Jesus, right? So Leviticus is the old school one, so I get all that plus the New Testament. So I look for those nuggets. So tonight we're going to talk about obedience, but I need you to follow me for a little bit on a couple of things. So at this church, we believe that the word comes first, right? Your opinions come dead last. The word comes first, right? It's really good for people like me. So in Matthew 4, Jesus is dealing with temptation with the devil, right? And he says, you don't live by bread alone, but by Well done. Okay. By every word of God. So we live by the word of God even before food. Well, then in 2 Timothy, and we can turn to that one. And keep in mind, you're now listening in Katie. So just just stick with me, okay? So 2 Timothy 3.16 is where we're going. Um, Timothy, a young pastor, but on fire and changing the world, right? I like that guy. 2 Timothy 3. In verse 16, I see heads down, which means I'm going too fast. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. So it gives us truth, right? Makes us realize what is wrong in our own lives, in our lives. Our lives, gentlemen in the back. Our own lives. (laughs) It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Another version says, It's good for training in righteousness. And how many know we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? Yeah, except for your flesh that still needs help, right? So we've got to be trained in righteousness. And the only way for that to happen is the word. And Jesus and the word are the same. So if we're following Jesus, then we need to be eating the word. And all of us agree here, you know, because we go to this church. So, you know. It's part of life. Not every church is like that. And most of you know that because you've been to other churches. But not every church has the same emphasis on the word that we do. And so it's the only way that I have life every day. The only way that you have life every day is to be in the word, right? So it's important. And then we all know James 1.22. You got to not only hear the word, but 
do the word, which means to obey the word, right? To put it into action. And it's central to us. It gives life, that resurrection life. If we do it, that's what comes in our lives, right? So I wanted to go through in Leviticus the benefits to that. Because Pastor Dave's sermon was, go and get yours. Well, let me tell you what is yours. Because we look at, he talked about the blessing of Abraham this morning, which is really good, right? And there's a lot in it. But in Leviticus, it's pretty good too. There's a whole lot of blessings in the Old Testament, which is cool because, again, it's not just Jesus came and gave us healing and health, but there's all these benefits that should come in our lives. And the cool part about that is when you work for an employer and you're supposed to get your health insurance, you don't forget to sign up for it. You know what I mean? They've already paid for it. It's already covered. It's your bad if you don't go get it, right? So um, my my brother-in-law, sister-in-law in Indiana, she works for a college there that pays her for being healthy, right? Their health plan will pay you. So if she will prove, if she'll log that she's walking on a treadmill, they will pay her in cash. Why would you not do that? You know what I mean? So she's become a runner, and she's become healthy because it pays. So what I'm getting at is, if we do the word, it should be paying, right? And some of us slack off because, like, we don't see the answers right away, or it gets kind of hard, or it's inconvenient, or we're tired, or whatever, right? And we slack off. Well, then you're not getting paid. You're supposed to go get paid. So let's look at some benefits, right? So... Um, Leviticus 26 is where we're going. Leviticus 26. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I don't like to leave out details because I like details a lot. It's probably just because I'm female. But just stick with me because they're important. They're in there for a reason. All of the Bible, including all of the details. Um, so this whole chapter is titled, probably in your Bible too, um, Blessings for Obedience. And so in verse 1 it says, Do not make idols or set up carved images or, or sacred pillars or sculptured stones in your land so you may worship them. I am the Lord your God. Well, we don't do that here. You know, we don't have any totem poles or any of that for the most part. But we do have some football and we do have some work and, and we do have some house cleaning and you know, we got some things that that we do some worshiping with, so you gotta gotta watch that a little bit. So no idols. Work is second. It's all second to Jesus, right? So sometimes that means you ignore your nasty mess and you get into the word. Sometimes that means when you're tired and you don't want to come to church, you just do anyway. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Then it says, You must keep my Sabbath days of rest. And show reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. So I grew up in kind of a weird household. But my mom always wished she was Jewish. And I think it's because someone told her we're like grafted in, we're adopted, you know. So she like legitimately believes in the Sabbath. She will call me on a Friday night and wish me happy Shabbat. Six o'clock Friday night, because she does keep her Saturdays as holy. Here's the kicker to that. It seems weird, and it seems goofy, 
But here's the deal. How many of us work on a Sunday? How many of us go out and, you know, clean our house or whatever? How often are we worshiping God and resting on a Sunday? It's pretty legit, and it has to happen in order for you to get paid. It's like the running on the treadmill. You gotta have a treadmill, you gotta get on the treadmill in order to get paid. You gotta keep the Sabbath holy and rest. Okay? So it's important. Those things are important before we can get to the rest of this. But in verse 3 it says, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. Well, in one version it says statutes. Statutes and decrees are a positive law, a good rule, that are meant to bless you. And commands, it's, it's like a deep asking, please, would you please? I can help you. Please do what I'm asking you to do. And a command is also a moral conduct thing. So if you behave good, so like my kids, they like to play in our yard and on the sidewalk. And we have some neighborhood kids who like to play in the street. Now, the ice cream truck is a good thing unless you're playing in front of it in the street, right? So us adults, we can see that. We can say, don't play in the street. I'll buy you ice cream. You'll get paid. I'll help you. I'll give you blessings if you just don't play in the street. But sometimes the kids can't see that. Christians have that same hard time. A lot of people will look at the body of Christ or his churches. There's all these no-nos, all these things that you can't do, shouldn't do, you know, you have to obey the Sabbath, and i got things to do on a Sunday, I can't be a Christian because, you know, whatever. Or a lot of us get that way, listen, I've got all these excuses for things um, that I need to do instead of what God asked me or put in my heart to do, right? We make excuses. I can't get you anything from the ice cream truck because you're playing in front of it, you know what I mean? So it gets to where it's like, please, guys, please play in the yard. Please do what I'm asking you to do so that I can bless you. And that's the Lord telling you, he's telling you, if you would just follow my ways, if you would just do it the way I'm asking you, everything ends better. Everything does. So that's what it says in verse 3 is just do what I'm asking. Verse 4 says, I'll send you the seasonal rains. That's blessings, right? That's watering the seed that's been sown. And it's a light rain. It's not a downpour. There's no loss that comes with it. That's where it says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he doesn't add any sorrow to it. He's going to make things grow. And it also says yielded crops and fruits produced. Obvious results of what you're working on, what you're putting your hand to. It's God nourishing that seed that you've put out. God will make things grow. A lot of us think that, you know, he says he'll bless what you put your hand to. So that means you better work hard. You better go and make it happen. It's not really like that. You are to put your hand to something and you are to work. But his burden is easy and his yoke is light. It's not toilsome. You do have to put work in. You do have to obey. You do have to pay attention. But God will water it. God will produce the fruit. In verse 5, it's really interesting because it talks about three seasons. And that's one of my favorite things. And I don't even remember who said it. There was a, a preacher who came and stood behind this pulpit and said, you know the cool thing about seasons? They change. And I was like... That's so good. That was so helpful to me to see no matter what season we're in, it changes. But in verse 5, it talks about them overlapping. And there's three seasons it talks about. Threshing, harvest, and planting. 
Threshing is, you know, grinding up the wheat or smashing up the grapes, making something useful out of what you've harvested, right? So we've got planting season. We know what that is, giving out, right? You've got to put out in order to give back. Luke 6:38, you give so it'll be given back, right? And then we have harvest where we're just raking it in. And that's like super fun. Sometimes a lot of work, but super fun. And there's threshing where you're producing something with it. And I think about those things in our lives like, A lot of times we call everything planting season, you know, that I went out and I told someone about the gospel and that way I was planting seeds. Well, kind of. um, But a lot of times when when you're doing something for other people, that's threshing season. You're taking the fruit of your life, what God's given to you, whether it be finances or time or skills or stuff, and you're making use of it. Whether it be in the house of God, whether it be at home with your kids, but you're making use of what God has given you. And harvest, you know, like I said, is a, it's a gathering up of all that God's pouring back into your life and producing out of what you've planted. So those are all supposed to overlap. Which means to me, there's gotta be some energy with that, cause that's like a lot of things going on all at one time, right? You're grinding up stuff, and you're raking in stuff, and you're bending over planting stuff. So there's got to be some energy that comes with that. But the neat thing is, nothing is getting missed. You're not missing a beat. You're not getting exhausted. It's all just your life spinning in control. Sometimes we feel like it's spinning out of control, like there's just so much going on. But it's supposed to be busy and spinning and going and going fast, right? Because if those seasons are overlapping, that's a lot of workers, that's a lot of time spent, that's a lot of energy spent, but that's a whole lot of blessing, right? So that's pretty neat to me. I really liked verse 5. And then it says, eat your fill. You get to eat your fill. That's like my favorite part. I like food. Um, But the, the benefit to that is that in the Word of God, We eat our fill with our finances. We get to eat our fill with however many kids we want. So that means there's, you know, we'll get to that later. There's always more than enough kids. I got that. Thank you, Jesus. And we got more than enough. But there's more than enough space in your house. Believe in God for that right now. There's, you know, there's blessings more than what we put in a box. Sometimes it's got to be finances, right? And, And we have a neighbor who, I'll talk to the Lord and a day later, there'll be a trash bag on our front porch. And I'm like, really? You know, like, really? I didn't have to go. And I like shopping, but a lot of times what's given to us is better than what we would have bought anyway. You know, it's better quality, was more expensive because we're not willing to pay, that. you know, things like that. And it's interesting because when I just leave it to the Lord, it's always better than my game plan anyway, you know? So that's really neat. The other thing in verse 5 is it says, and live securely in your own land. Your own place will be safe and secure. And I know even with our kids, sometimes that that is really hard. That's hard for them um, to not be afraid of the dark or whatever. And some of us, um, some of us in this church, and I won't rat anyone out, I promise. But some of us are, oh, no, i got to have my security system, and i got to have da 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 well, I grew up in the country, and my house had gotten robbed. We leave our doors unlocked regularly. It's not, well, you shouldn't know that, but now you know that. 
Our house is not Fort Knox. It is super not Fort Knox. Don't go advertise that, but it's not Fort Knox. And it's because, like, I just don't worry about it because he's got it. And if they take it, I'll get a better one. You know, there's just, I have a mentality. Um, I don't have any self-esteem issues. I, I have issues. But I don't have any self-esteem issues. Like, you know, God will give me mine. So when Pastor Dave preaches about go and get yours, I'm like, yeah, and with interest, you know. So it doesn't bother me for security because that's promised to me. That's mine. It's never a question to me. And then it says in verse 6, I will give you peace in the land. A lot of us get all up in arms about what laws people are passing and, you know. Well, that doesn't bother me as much because he'll handle it, right? He's either going to kick them out. They're in the old in the Old Testament, there were people who, who died because, you know, the Israelites came and stabbed them all. And then in the New Testament, there's kings and rulers who just fell over dead with worms coming out. Like, God will handle it. It's okay. In addition to that, it says we'll sleep with no fear. How many of us have a hard time sleeping? That should never be an issue. There should never be nightmares. It's a promise. I used to have these nightmares that my house would burn down when I was a kid. And there was windows everywhere. It wasn't like I couldn't get out, but I would have these nightmares. And so I found a verse in Psalms that says, your sleep will be sweet. And I put it on my window, and I had it there for years. But it got rid of all kinds of nightmares for me. I don't have an issue sleeping. You watch my sleep talking video. I don't have an issue sleeping. Things are still going on upstairs, but I'm out, you know. So it's important that you know that. In addition to this verse, in Philippians 4, Pastor Dave calls that the peace equation. You should never have security issues. You should never have peace issues. You should never have sleep issues. Philippians 4 is the peace equation. You tell God what you need. You thank him for it. Then you have peace. And it guards your heart and your mind. And that's so deep and so simple. It guards your heart and your mind. Most of us, the mind is the issue. But if we would just lay hold of that, there would be no issue. It's important. And then this, this next part's kind of interesting to me. I really like it. it says it'll, he'll rid the land of wild enemies and keep our enemies out. Wild animals and keep our enemies out. Nothing can come and attack us. There's no stealing from me. There's no wolves coming in. One of the best things Miss P has ever said from behind this pulpit is, what do we do with wolves? Shoot them. Shoot them. <laughs> That's what we do. We handle it. And so the Lord says he'll take care of it for you. There's no stealing. There's no coming in. And that's where Psalm 91 comes in. If you can really lay hold of Psalms 91, there's no messing with you. You know? There's no messing with you. No plague can come near this swelling. Mm-mm. All that sniffles out in Jesus' name, right? We don't have that. Then verse 7, um, I've got to explain a little bit. So Pastor Dave loves Jesus, and he's so happy and wonderful. He is the peace of God in my life. He loves Psalm 34. It's like his favorite chapter of the Bible. And I love Psalm 34. But I get really excited when we get to Psalm 35. Have any of you read Psalm 35? Jacob didn't even raise his hands. You know what? That's not fair. I told him, Jacob's on my same wavelength, go home and read Psalm 35. 
So the beginning of Psalm 35 said, oppose those who oppose me, fight against those who fight against me, put them to shame, embarrass them. Psalm 34 is, I will praise the Lord at all times. That's wonderful, but I want to see the reward of the wicked. That's, <laughs> that's for me. If you steal from me, I want to see it paid for, you know? And God will handle that for us, right? That's why Jesus came. He bought it back. He embarrassed the devil. It's supposed to be like that. So in verse 7, it says, in fact, because it says, I'll give you peace and you'll be able to sleep with no fear. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords. Okay, I'm in. Five of you will chase a hundred of them. So it doesn't matter how bad it looks, right? A little bit of us slaughter Okay, Um, there's a meme that has uh, General Mattis, and it says, I put the laughter in slaughter. The sick part is I was like, that's awesome. Not that I condone killing people, but don't mess with us Christians. Anyway, anyway, five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand and all your enemies will fall beneath your sword. And verse 9 says, I'll look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. Did you know that the favor of God is a shield? It surrounds you as a shield. Nothing can steal. There shouldn't be anything getting in. That's why when we had a couple years ago, there was, and I'm not crying, there was a lot of miscarriages in our church. And there was a lot of death in our church. And there was a lot of marriages that had issues in our church. And um, in ministry, you can carry a lot of guilt with that because you should have the answer. And how, how did you not give people the word to overcome that? How did you not help them keep the enemy out? You know, because we're a family here. And just like with your kids, when something happens to your kids, it's, It's happening to you. And it's the same with our church family. If it happens to you, it happens to us. And so that was really, really a hard season. And now we're on the outside of it, right? We've kicked the devil out. We've slaughtered those enemies. And there's a whole lot of restoration happening here. And there's, if you think we're being weird about your pregnancy or your marriage or your finances, it's because I'm like, Oh, yeah, you know, we're getting ours now. So that's important to me is I want that blessing in your life. And I want us to get that together and there best be interest with it. You know what I'm saying? It's important. So anyway, we'll leave that well enough alone. But favor surrounds us as a shield and we should never have any issue with having Kids, more than enough kids, and however many kids y'all want to have, because God promised that to us. It's a promise. It doesn't matter what the doctor has said about your body. It doesn't matter what the rules are. It doesn't matter. Married, following God, equal babies. It's a blessing of God. It's owed to you. It's owed to you. It was interesting because when we first got pregnant with Joel, Pastor and his people were like, oh, we're so excited. You weren't even supposed to have kids. And I'm like, huh? What? 
And so they were like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just the that's just all glory to God, because all the the chemo and whatever had gone on, you weren't supposed to have any. Forget that. We can look at each other funny and have kids. And so that's I love you, honey. We got to sleep on opposite sides of the house these days. It says, I will fulfill my covenant with you. I will make good my promises to you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out to make room. I don't know about you, but I got that problem. We just cleared out our garage because people give us stuff. It just, things show up at my house. I made a joke because I, I use a lot of words a lot. And so I made a joke to someone when we were pregnant with Sam that, oh, we're just, he's the fourth. We'll put him in a dresser drawer. He'll be fine. Someone took me seriously and brought all this stuff to my doorstep, tubs of stuff. Just hold, and I, I called him and said, thank you so much. Well, I heard what you said and I don't want him living like that. And I said, well, he wasn't going to, but he's living, you know, real good now. So praise God, we should have more than enough. There should never be a food issue in a Christian's life. Never. And I don't care where it comes from. Miss P, you know, can attest it. People show up at our houses. It's awesome. Pastoring, it's really great because we love all of you. But when we bought a house, people just drive past just to see us in our house. Okay. Keep the curtains closed because you never know. Anyway, so people just show up. So Miss P had people show up for dinner one night. And she was making spaghetti. And all she did was look down and go, help me, Lord. And she's dishing it out, dishing it out. Everyone ate their fill. Everybody ate their fill. Because there should be a surplus. There should always be more than enough. And you hoarders, those of you who are hoarders, you listen. That's a poverty mindset. I don't mean that unkind, but you throw your stuff away. If it's old, if it's dingy, if it's broken, some of it you can fix, sure. Don't be wasteful. But seriously, come on. If God gives me more than enough, why am I hoarding stuff? Either fix it and give it away, go get yourself some new, believe God, test your faith, do something. But you should have more than enough. You should have more than enough. Okay, we'll keep going. So, you should have a surplus of crops that you'll need to clear out and make room for the new harvest. It says in verse 11, I will live among you. I will not despise you. That's hard for a lot of people who've come from some interesting backgrounds and have some baggage. Some of us who think that we've overcome some things, maybe we haven't. Maybe some of the childhood stuff that sticks with us, maybe a temper, Maybe a forgiveness issue in marriage. Maybe a forgiveness issue in family. I don't know. But he says that he'll live with you. He's with you all the time. And he doesn't despise you. Maybe some of the forgiveness with yourself. It's time to let go of it. He's given you all these blessings. And he's with you, man. He's not against you. He wants you to win. So just let it go. It's important to let it go. It says in verse 12, I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. How many were here for that don't go back to Egypt service? Yeah. 
don't go back. He brought you up and out. And the cool part is, he parted the Red Sea and did the whole miracle thing. And just hold on to that, but don't forget it. And don't forget, as he preached this morning, don't forget to tell people about it. Because that's how people know that God is real. That's how come. Because I can preach about Jesus all day long, but until someone experiences God, it's, it's different to just know about God and to know God. Very, very different. It's important for you to tell those stories. Whether it be to my kids who know that God is real, your own kids, your neighborhood kids, your annoying teenager that lives next door, it doesn't matter. Sometimes that thorn in the flesh was put there on purpose. It's your assignment. I got several of them. God help me. Anyway, you gotta, you've got to tell what God has done. It's very important. And it says, so you would no longer be their slaves. He brought you out so you wouldn't slave over stuff. The only thing you're slave to is righteousness. That's the only thing you're obligated to be and do. Not with your job, not with anything. Pastor Dave makes fun of me because um, in all of my jobs, it's an issue I have. It's part of my testimony. Um, in all of my jobs, I really probably should have gotten fired. Lots and lots of times. Not for stealing, but for saying things really straightforward or doing business or not letting things go or whatever. Um, there's been lots of times where I'm pushy and I just say it. And people don't like it very often. Um, but I really believe that I can do it better. And I really believe that I can change the world. And if all of us feel like that, we really will. And so, so there's lots of jobs that it's been like that at. But I was looking for a job when I found that one. And you don't own me. I only serve God, and you're like what he's using to get me money. So I'll do a good job for you because I'm serving him, but you don't own me, and you're not in charge of me either. I'll submit to you because God put you in my life, but you're not going to tell me I can't go to church on Sundays. You're not going to tell me I can't see my family. We had a job in college, and David was starting to sweat. He's like, she's going to put us out of our house. <laughs> We're not going to have any money, this this girl. So... Uh, our job wouldn't let us off for Christmas. Well, we were college students, and I wanted to go home for the whole two weeks. I was going home to see my family. I hadn't seen them in a while. So we were going to go home, and Pastor and Miss P were there. And so we put in, we followed the system, we followed the rules, and we put in for our time off. And the uh, assistant manager came and said, I'm sorry, you know, they've denied your time off. There's just no way. That's one of our busiest times, no way. And I said, um, I'm going to see my family. You tell me how we're going to make that happen. Whatever I need to do to make that happen, you let me know. I'll, I'll work overtime for you. You know, I'll work free time for you. That's fine. You don't have to pay me. I'll just make it happen. And she said, um, no, there's no way. So after work, I said, I think we're quitting our jobs. <laughs> Pastor Dave said, no, we're not. I said, either they're letting us off or I'm quitting. You may not go home, but I'm going home for Christmas. So... Uh, within two days, I went into the manager's office and I said, listen, we do a good job for you and you can hire somebody else. They're not going to do as good as we do, but that's up to you if you want, if you want the cheap version, but you're getting us at a really cheap price and we're coming and doing a good job for you. I want off at Christmas or I'm quitting. And she said, okay. 
Not another word. Just signed it and gave us our time off. I don't mess around like that. I go to church on Sundays. I go to church on Wednesdays. Jesus is in charge of me and you're not. So you got to get that. Because some people, their boss is their mommy, man. And not that you shouldn't respect your boss, but honest to goodness, they don't own you. They do not own you. And you're supposed to be following this. And most of the time, your boss is not. You're supposed to be influencing them, not in them influencing you or making your decisions for you. It shouldn't be like that. So it's important. He's my God, and I'm not a slave to nothing. It says, I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your head held high. A lot of us have been through a lot of things in life where we've been, bar- we've been embarrassed or there's things that have happened to us that caused shame. Um, and shame, anyway, we won't get into that. I won't go, I won't go too far there. But shame is of the enemy all the time. Whether it be because of pride and we did something stupid or something evil that was done to us, that should never happen to you. Shame and embarrassment and unforgiveness and low self-worth should not be happening to you. God broke that. He took that away. When Jesus came into your heart, he made you a treasure. He made you important and special and worth everything. And those are your benefits. And that's the low benefit package. You know, if you go into Deuteronomy 28 and Deuteronomy 16 and then the New Testament, Jesus has given us a better covenant, a better agreement. The other cool part is he's our mediator. He works with God on our behalf. So when you do something stupid, yes, you should repent. And repent does not mean I'm sorry. It means turning around and running the other way. That's what repent means. So, yes, you need to change your ways, but Jesus stands in that gap. Because as a Christian, right, we're supposed to not sin anymore. I don't know about you, but I I do sometimes. And so when I have to repent, Jesus stands in the gap for me. And he says, no, 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 she's mine. I'll take care of her. I'll wipe that away. That's why Jesus is important to me. He gives me life, but he also works on my behalf. And so there should never be any low self-worth, any, man, I'm such an idiot about that stuff. Dude, I mess it up every time. I fail every time. You know, we were talking to someone this morning who, it's a young couple getting ready to make some life decisions, and they were like, we're just so afraid of failing. I, I kind of get that. Pastor Dave is a little more compassionate and understanding on that because he can comprehend that. I'm like, no, jump off the cliff. Go. You know, that's my mentality is we can't fail. We're not allowed to. We're not supposed to. And if we start to, he scoops us back up, right? When Pastor Dave and I um, were first here, because some of you don't know, we moved back to Indiana for six months because we had a plan. We were going to we're gonna do what God was letting us plan out. Anyway, um, we moved to Indiana so God could quietly and not public. That's like when you take your kid to the bathroom to spank them. <laughs> Jesus took us to Indiana to, to give us our spanking and then let us come back. But, you know, the interesting part of that is there was never any, 
It was a little rough, but we were not in poverty. We were not missing anything. My kids didn't lack anything. I didn't go hungry. I didn't live in a tent outside. I, God took care of me when I had done wrong, when I had failed. He took me to the side, and he cared for me, and he brought me back to where I was supposed to be, lovingly and kindly. He's not a bad dad. He doesn't say, you screwed up, you're 18, get out. None of, none of that. There should be no shame. There should be no, oh, you know, I'm paying for it. You know, judgment is not dead. God still judges stuff. And I know that because I've lived that. In college, we had a eschatology class teaching on end times. I know nothing of eschatology. Not because I didn't listen, which I didn't. But <laughs> here's what happened. We had a World War II pilot who was the professor. And he would come in and he'd say, turn to Revelation chapter whatever. And that's the only part of eschatology we talked about the entire class. Because we talked about World War II, World War II stories. Uh, so I don't know about you in college, but I had like homework and things to do. So if we're talking World War II and it's not what I just paid for, I got to go to the bathroom. So I skipped that class every day. I got my homework done every day. Listen, we were going to two colleges and working full time. Okay. Don't tell me you don't have time. Cause let me just tell you, you know, I know what it's like to really not have time. So I skipped this class. Judgment is alive and well because in an automated computer system with hundreds of kids, I was row one, seat one, every class the next term. And I went to the office and said, um, why am I, oh, it's an automated system. I thought they had put me row one, that someone had noticed I was skipping. No one noticed I was skipping. The computer system, which I blame on Jesus, was row one, seat one, which meant I had to sign the roll at the beginning of class and the end of class so I couldn't move. There was no going to the bathroom at all. So judgment is alive and well. But if you'll notice that, I didn't have some teacher kicking me out of school or reprimanding me. or It was a very kind, get it together, sister. You see what I'm saying? And if we will listen to the correction of God, all these blessings, man, He's just saying, just do it the right way. Just listen the first time. I'll get you something from the ice cream truck, I promise. You know, if we would just do it the the right way the first time. But my point is, in all of that, is number one, because you got to have points, right? I don't ever have points. I just talk for a long time and hope you get something out of it. Anyway, so <laughs> number one, we need to stay straight, okay? We've got to remain focused got to keep first things first. That's the first part of this whole chapter. God's first. Obey him first before your boss, before everybody else. Obey him first. That's the only time that it's okay for a wife to not obey her husband, right? Right? You obey the word of God first in everything. Stay focused on living it. Don't let yourself slip. Job-wise, kid-wise, I know life is busy. I know we're tired. I know gas money's tight. But listen, I've watched people sacrifice gas from Fort Irwin when they had nothing. 
they would sacrifice gas to get here and God would make it rain money. You know, if you just do it right, stay focused. Number two, love life. Love life. Quit working so hard. It's not supposed to be that hard. Be safe and happy and enjoy every bit of it. Enjoy it. Love it. Don't wait till heaven. Okay, point number three, and I actually have four. It's against the Pastor Dave rule. I actually have four. Number three, get what belongs to you. Stop messing around with this. Oh, God's prayer. I'm trusting it. No, now. Now. You know, I told Jacob a while back, we were, we were talking about, you know, young life and God making things happen that look impossible. Um, we should have never in the natural ever been able to afford a house. When we bought a house, we made $3,000 in buying a house. I paid out nothing. My rent went down $100 a month between moving into this house, and I got paid $3,000 to move into a house. That doesn't make any sense. And it didn't add to my loan. It wasn't like the loan had extra money. Um, Yeah, God does impossible things. So you should be getting what belongs to you. And when Jacob and I were talking about that, we talked about Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob had done some stupid things. His name means deceiver. Man, he was a liar. Just a liar and a thief and a weasel. But when he turned it around, God came to visit him and he wrestled with God. And he said, oh, no, not till I get my blessing. Mm-mm, you're going to bless me. And he walked with a limp. But you know what? That was him saying, I may have done it wrong and I may have paid for it, but I got what was mine. So you should never let go of that. You should be enjoying every minute of life and don't let a single thing go. Don't let the enemy in and don't lose at all. When we say we're equipped for victorious Christian living, that means I win every time. Not most of the time, every time. Every time. And number four, we should look and behave like we are a kid of the king. There should not be any Man, I'm just trusting God right now. I hate that. I hate on a Sunday morning when you say, how are you? I'm blessed, brother. Makes me want to gag. You know, because number one, that's a fake answer because you're not telling the whole truth because you don't actually believe you're blessed because you're going through whatever you're going through. And, you know, there wasn't any. Man, things are really ugly right now, but I'm going to win. You know, there was, there is none of that. And so I, I just don't appreciate it when y'all say that to me. Just, you know, Diana, one time I came up to her. I'm going to write you out. It's okay. It's okay. You can punch me later. So I came up to her one time at an event. She was just being really quiet. And I'm like, how are you doing? She's like, mm-hmm. She really didn't say anything. And I said, oh, so it's like, I love you. It's like that. And she's like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. Like, Good for you. I'm not going to ask anymore because that was the whole truth and you're trying, you know. But do it and do it right with your head high. There ain't no moping around here. We win. And if you know you win, then why are you pouting? Quit the pouting. I win. And I'm rich because it says so. And I don't have to work for it. I harvest where I didn't plant. You all worked for it and I get the harvest, okay? It's supposed to be like that. So enjoy it and live like a child of the king. And if it seems like you're faithing it till you make it, 
Okay? That's a Leah. That's a Leah Mata phrase. Instead of faking it till you make it, we really do faith it till we make it. Okay? Pastor is faith in it, right? Till he wins. We do faith it till you make it. But you live on Galatians 6, 9. I don't grow weary in well-doing. I'm going to keep doing right. I'm going to keep doing good. The whole time, every time, I'm not going to trip or stumble because Psalm 91 says the angels hold me up. I'm not falling. I'm not slipping. I'm not tripping. I'm not whining. I'm going to keep doing good so that I can win every time. Okay? So don't be quitters. Don't be quitters. So I want you all to be on board with me this year. In, I don't want you to ask him for it because we know it's already coming. But there's a lot of restoration coming. There's a lot of payback coming this year. And I want you to be on board with me in prayer. Just when you pray, you just say, thank God that you're restoring everything. Thank God you're paying it all back. Whether it be in your life or somebody else you're praying for, be praying for that with me. Would you do that? Would you do that? There's a lot of payback coming. And I know I'm getting mine, so I pray for you all. But anyway, if you'd be praying with us for that, I would so appreciate it. And I'm so grateful to see all the winning in all of your lives. It makes us so happy. It makes us want to party. And, man, we're going to have some parties this year. Baby showers and weddings. and the whole, We're going to have some parties this year. So we're with you, and we love you, and I appreciate you, and that's all I got. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.